This is Reset and can be found at mccabe.io. I'll be talking about anything that plugs in or takes batteries, mostly home automation, networking, home storage, and I'll be bringing some friends along. Reset was inspired by a bent paperclip that's sat on my desk for years. It reminds me that no matter how much we mess something up, there's usually a reset button. Let's get started. Welcome back to Reset, everybody. I'm your host, David McCabe. i got a busy show for you today. Just tons of stuff going on. There's a lot of tech dropping. It's awesome. And this is right before, I mean, it's December. It's the month before the big tech show in Las Vegas, CES. I'll be there, and I'm there for quite some time. I think I scheduled five days this year. So if you're going to be there, please let me know. I'd love to meet up with you. And vendors as well. So I'm already talking to some guys and making some meetings and doing that fun stuff. I will undoubtedly do a lot of home automation this year. I had a great time last year starting my show in the Venetian, in the Sands. And over there where all the new companies are and all the home automation and all all that fun stuff. I love it. And then head over to the big hall and the after shows, Showstoppers and Pepcom and do the pre-shows and the pre-press and all that good stuff. I enjoy it. I know some people don't. I guess if you're working for the man, if you're not working for yourself, I can see how it can be, it can be tough. You, you are expected to, expected to do X amount of stories and get these words out and press releases and all that stuff. And it's a pain in the butt, but... For me, I enjoy it. It sets me up for the year for reviews and looks and things I should be seeing. So it's a good time. If you're going to CES, let me know. Hey, follow me on Twitter, twitter.com slash McCabeIO. Don't forget the YouTube channel, which actually I'm having a great time on the YouTube channel. So youtube.com slash David McCabe. I just shot a 4K video. I shot it on my Pixel XL phone. And put it on YouTube. So go check it out. I did a, it's a museum piece. It's not tech, although it's kind of cool. It's trains and museum and artsy fartsy. So I need someone with a 4K TV to take a look at it. I don't, I don't have a 4K TV. That's kind of crazy, but I don't. And I shot it and edited it. And it came out to 13, well, 13 gig, 13.6 gig. So it was a huge file. It looks great on my screens, but I'm not sure getting into larger uh, screens how it would look. So please, uh, if you've got a 4K TV, try it out and let me know how that looks. I also reposted an unboxing that I did long, long ago. We're talking 2009, I think it was from. Christmas Vacation Blu-ray. It was a box set. I did an unboxing. And this how this is how far back I go with unboxings. I go way back. I don't know. I certainly wasn't the first person to shoot an unboxing video, but I have been doing it a long time. Now, this one's not a video. It is a post. So it's a WordPress post, and it's over there at homeservershow.com. I'll try to remember to put a link in the show notes. Had a good time with it. If you follow me on Twitter, you probably saw the uh, the tweet because I put a picture on there. So let's get busy. We're going to talk about Surface Studio. 
We're going to talk about my favorite time of year for shopping. We're going to talk a little Eero, a little Arlo, a little EV, and some Google Daydream. I got storage news for all the storage fans out there. Some real cool, fun stuff to talk about. Lots and lots of stuff. We'll talk Plex. We'll talk Synology. Let's get started. First of all, I want to talk about the Surface Studio. These things are starting to hit the streets, and there were some reviews coming out. And uh, Leo Laporte on his show, he, uh, Windows Weekly, he had it on his desk. Actually, I think he had it on MacBreak Weekly uh, before Windows Weekly, so a little bit unfair to those guys, but it is what it is. So my question to you is, how long do you think it will stay on Leo's desk? Who knows? Who knows? But when he was playing with it, it can be, if you're listening to it on audio, it can be deceiving because he was talking about how it is underpowered uh, as a base level. So the base level uh, Surface Studio Surface Studio he picked out is the i5. It's the $3,000 job, 8 gigs of RAM, and he was flipping through Lightroom uh, with some 30 megapixel photos. We're talking huge photos. And when he went full screen, he would arrow over to get to the next photo. It would take full five seconds for that to load. Now, that's disconcerting. But when he was doing it windowed, and granted, this is a 27, 28-inch monitor, right? He was When he was doing it windowed, it's still bigger than my monitor. It was just going bam, 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 just just like that. So it can sound like maybe it's underpowered, but I'm not going to I'm not going to say that. But I do have some concerns about that base model at 3 grand. I don't there's a couple things I don't under, I don't understand. First of all, it has a 1 terabyte 5400 rpm spinning drive in it. Now we know this because iFixit did a teardown of pretty much everything, and they pulled out the drive, so they show it to you. Now, it also has an, an M.2 SSD, so it has a 64 gig SSD, and this is as fast as fast can get, right? So my question is why the spinner and not an additional SSD in there? You know, maybe a 512 or something. So iFixit didn't really have much trouble popping the base apart. So they popped the base, the, the bottom of it off, and they had to pull a couple of fans. Sorry, my other Windows PC is really chiming in. They had to pull a couple of fans and get to everything, but they could pull out the, the SSD drive, and they could pull out the spinner really easily. So now this is a hybrid device. I forget exactly what they call it, some kind of a hybrid drive or something like that. So I'm curious if there's any secret sauce embedded in those drives that would make it so you couldn't replace them. Now, I'm probably sure by the time we get around to next week's podcast, someone's going to already have swapped out the drives and they're going to tell us that. But I'm curious if you can swap those out easily Put in a big SSD. Put in a larger uh, M.2. Now, it may not even pay to put a larger um, M.2 SSD drive in that spot. 
because of, like I said, the secret sauce that it's doing. It could be handing off data, you know, using data there, RAM drive kind of like situation. So I am a little concerned about that performance. It's because of the price. If it was $1,200, who cares? It's 1200 bucks. It's huge. It's beautiful. Live with it. $3,000, that's a little different story, especially only eight gigs of RAM. Of RAM. I, I just want them to put their best foot forward, Microsoft. I want you to put your best foot forward, especially on that base unit, because that's probably, I'm just, just hypothesizing, it's probably what's going to sell out first. Now, the larger, the top dog, is $4,200. I don't think I would have any problems with that horsepower-wise, but I have heard that it's loud, so the fans can spin up, and some creatives, when doing recordings and whatnot, you can't have loud. You just cannot have loud. So the other thing is the screen, everybody agrees that the screen is wonderful. So I'm wondering, I'm thinking out loud, because Apple just shot themselves in the foot by not updating their screen. Everybody and their dog that you listen to or talk to that's an Apple person wants that cinema display, wants a Retina 4K or 5K cinema display, kind of like the iMac has that 5K display. All they want to do is hand over their $1,000 and get their 28-inch 5K cinema display. And what does Apple do? They trot out LG on the stage with this hideous black-framed-looking monitor that is completely un-Apple-like and said, no, here it is. You pay $1,000 to LG and they will give you a monitor. Okay, fine. So what I think Microsoft should do is sell that monitor to the Apple folks, to the creative folks. So you would have, you would still have your Surface Studio, but... You could do dual display on that bad boy and have a static display and then you could also have your creative display. And just make it, make it three by two, make it look good and sell it for a crap load of money. You're going to get those Apple folks. You're going to get Windows folks and you've got your foot, your first foot in the door with those Apple folks and then the next foot is full-blown Surface Studio. I think it would be a win, but I'm just a podcaster playing a podcaster, so I don't know these things. I probably couldn't afford it and wouldn't buy one anyway. I'm just saying. The other thing that is not going to (laughs) happen, did you get that? What if you could swap the bass out? That would be cool. What if you could swap that bass out? Because what happens in a year when they do come out with a base unit that's $3,000 and it outperforms the base unit of last year. Yeah, people get butt hurt. Yeah, they do. We all get butt hurt when something new comes out. But it would be cool if you could sell them something else, just a little square base, just pop it in, whatever you got to do, that would be cool. Just pop it in. Get it, Microsoft? Slide it in. That would really be cool. I'll leave you the link to the ifixit.com teardown of the Surface Studio. It's really quite interesting. It's really a neat look inside of it. And um, read the reviews. Take a look. 
Let me know if you got one. I would love to hear from you. Maybe we can chat about it. And if you're Microsoft and you just happen to have one laying around gathering dust, I would be happy to take a look at it and give you my honest opinion about it. I don't have significant time behind the Surface Studio. I would love to, though. It'd be fun. All right, my favorite time of year, Black Friday, Cyber Monday, 12 days of Christmas. 12 days of Christmas, I say, because a lot of companies come out with those deal days. Like Microsoft has deal days, which is really kind of cool. Now, I got a sneak peek of those deal days from a Therat.com article, and I didn't really see anything that I would be interested in, except maybe some Xbox games or something, some accessories. I'm going to take a look at that. I remember, I don't know, a year or two ago when they had, uh, it wasn't Groove Music, but it was Xbox Music for like 50 bucks or something like that. I really like that kind of thing. Something's small that you can purchase. I did see a Surface Pro 4, 650 bucks. It's the Core M3 processor, however, but it's a 128 gig SSD and it comes with a sleeve. Yeah, it's a whole five to ten dollar free sleeve, but it comes with it. 650 bucks. That's pretty good. That's that's a good price to get people in on the Surface line. So that's really good. A lot of good deals. So I will post that article from Therat on the show notes if you'd like to take a look at that. Again, one of my favorite times of year. Amazon does it as well. Other folks do it. Newegg. It's fun. It's fun to buy for yourself, right? I know. It's supposed to be Christmas time. I'm supposed to get my jollies off buying for someone else. But it's nice when you can pick up a 512k or 512 gig SSD for 80 bucks, you know? That's kind of fun. Let's move along. The Eero app is out. If you listen to last week's show, you heard me talk about the new firmware update to the Eero, and we didn't have the app yet. Well, version 2.0, the app is out. I need to start it up real quick. Now, I am at a disadvantage because I do not use Eero as my router. And I said I was going to, and I just haven't yet, but you can tap an individual Eero and get its connection quality. It'll tell you how well connected it is. And you can turn off the LED light. That is fantastic. You can also get more in-depth information about the connected devices on your network. You can see at what frequency they're connected, what their signal strength is. You can add a nickname for them. You can see their MAC address. And when you're in router mode, you can see a whole bunch more information. I just need to do that. I need to try it. I just, I have trouble with DHCP and, and things like that and statically assigned DHCP. It's just kind of a pain in the butt to change your router out. Take a look. If you're, if you're an Eero person, if it's in your house, you've already got this, you know about it, but take a look at the forums at homeservershow.com slash forums. And these guys out there are talking about all of these different devices, the, the Netgear, the Almond, the Eero, the Luma, Ubiquiti, all these new players in this Wi-Fi market, they're all getting discussed out there and they're getting compared. So what you don't get in reviews and first looks, 
you get in these forums of mine, homeservershow.com, because these guys talk about details, in-depth details that you can't get in the reviews. Everyday use, day-to-day use. So it's really neat to see how things like that work in detail on the forums, beyond the review, beyond what I can give you on a podcast or a YouTube video. These guys are using the product, and they'll tell you about it. They don't like it. They don't like it. They'll tell you why. I mentioned, I mentioned, did I mention Orbi in that list? Orbi from Netgear. But I'm not talking about Orbi. I'm talking about Arlo Pro. I picked up an Arlo Pro unit, as I told you last week, and took a look at it. And I I did an in-depth look at this thing. I, I mounted it, right? I didn't just sit it on the desk. I mounted this thing outside and used it. Like I would, I, I put it in a spot that I thought, well, this is where I want it. This is why I'm getting it. So I had some good time with the Arlo Pro. And I both liked it and I didn't necessarily dislike it, but it was just different. It was different than what I am used to because I'm used to hardwired cameras. I'm used to live looks, a lot of live looks, and I'm used to recording pretty much everything and storing it. And if I need it, it's always there. And that's not necessarily what Arlo Pro is. What it is, though, is fantastic in the sense that you can take this little bitty camera with a battery in it and you can just mount it virtually anywhere. I've seen on the interwebs where guys are mounting these things in trees. Just unreal. Wherever you need coverage to watch and secure, you can pretty much put an Arlo there. Now, this is the Pro device that I got. It's got a new hub. It allows you to plug in a USB drive and keep your recordings. One of the problems I had was I don't necessarily know that my recordings were on that hard drive because they kept falling off after seven days. So I think I was doing something wrong there. And I'm going to I'm going to ask Netgear about some of my concerns. The other big concern is the one of the reasons I looked at the Arlo Pro is because it had two-way audio. I mounted this thing over a door, and what I wanted was for it to be my ring doorbell. Flat out, I wanted it to be my ring doorbell. Someone walks up to the door, I get a notification from motion, and I can talk to that person. But I had trouble talking. I set a camera up out outside, and I went inside. I got the motion detection. I fired up the camera. I fired up the live view, and I started talking to it. And, you know, just silly stuff like, hello, okay, leave the package at the door, thank you, you know, things like that. Then I went back and watched the footage, and I could barely hear it. I could barely hear it. Now, this is just a camera doing this, the recording as a human. So I think the human, uh, the human element to this is going to be okay but I did have some concern about the volume. So, again, I have reached out to Netgear, and actually, they've reached back out to me. 
I'm going to hook up with these guys, especially at CES, and see what they're up to and see what's going on with this Arlo Pro. And hopefully we can get it re-reviewed. And I've got tons of video footage right now. I'm just having trouble getting to it and putting it together. I've got lots of video footage. So I want to I show that to you on YouTube, but I also want to make sure I do it right. So whenever I have questions and concerns about something that I've purchased, so this is a purchase of mine. So when you purchase something, you don't necessarily get the phone number of the PR group responsible for answering your questions. So when you get a review unit, you get that phone number. You can hit them with a question say, am I doing this right? Or is this, you know, do I have a bad unit? Maybe we'll get it swapped out, you know, yada, yada, yada. You don't get that when you buy it. You're just at the mercy, you know, of the forums and everything. So I want to make sure I get it right. So I'm going to, I'm going to look at my footage and get it, get, I'll get it to you somewhere or another. Let me know if you have questions about Arlo and Arlo Pro and I will get that answered for you. Now the other cool thing is, is Arlo integrates with SmartThings. Now you can't do, it's pretty much like any other camera on there. You're not going to be able to do live video right there in your SmartThings app and do all kinds of crazy things. But, well, I think you might be able to do live video to take a look at the screen, so don't quote me on that. But at least it's an option, right? You have a quick look via that single app. If you're dead set on only having one hub of an app, then you can get that done. You can also, and this is something that I did, is have it interact. So when if Arlo Pro throws a flag of motion, It'll throw that flag to smart things. And what I had it do is when detect motion, turn on lights. That is cool because that gives you more, that gives that person that's out there on your porch more of a feeling of, okay, there's someone else here besides me. Maybe I won't steal that package off the front porch. So that is cool. That is something that's honestly worth its weight in gold. If if you're like me and security and presence and stuff like that is important to you, then it's really neat, especially if you have um, smart things. And so we'll work more with that. And I, I look forward to that because I've, I've always been jealous of Arlo. There's a certain amount of freedom with that product that makes it very compelling. So stay tuned. If you have questions, please let me know. Now, there's another cool thing I want to talk to you about. I want to show you something. EV, I think that's how you pronounce it. It's called EV. So it's an Intel-backed tablet project that is a competitor to the Surface Pro line. And this thing looks really freaking cool. It's expensive. So it starts at uh, $1,400. It's on Indiegogo. That's another thing you may not be too thrilled about. But this thing has almost $1.2 million in raised funds. And it has, as of this recording, 20 days left. Now tell me that's not going to be reaching some backers with that kind of cash able to create some tablets. Now $1,400. These guys went to their core audience and says, what do you want in a tablet laptop hybrid like the Surface Pro. 
They and someone said battery. So what they've done is they've made it just a shade thicker. Imagine that. Doing something that somebody actually needs and making this thing last all day long, right? So that is really neat. It is, uh, it's going to be interesting. It's an Intel Core i7 based 16 gigs of RAM, 512 gigs of SSD, 1400 bucks, two full size USB 3.1s. And it, you know, in the stat comparison, it just really kind of smokes the surface. But we need to take a look. I mean, it's right now it's vaporware, right? Because it's on an Indiegogo compa- campaign. So we need to make sure that it's going to work and work well. Because, I mean, making a device like this cannot be easy. So we need to figure, we need to see what these guys are up to. Wait a minute. I don't even see, I'm at the Indiegogo campaign. I don't even, it's sold out. This thing is sold out. Reserve a second batch. Okay. So there's, you can reserve a second batch, a Core i5, and that's estimated April 2017. You have to put down 300 bucks. So I wonder if we're going to be able to see this at CES. That would be really neat. So it's the EV. I'll put the link in the show notes so you can check that out if you would like to throw your $300 down. What else do we have? Google Wi-Fi smokes the other routers in speed tests. I've got that in my news feed. Google Wi-Fi is slowly trickling out. I got an email saying they have more devices. Would you like to buy some? And I'm like, ah, 300 bucks. Do I need to see this or do I need to just save that? So I'm not buying Google Wi-Fi just yet. If it if it if it's lights out good, and then I'll test it and I'll take a look at it. But uh, for right now, maybe I'm, I'm just going to sit back and watch it. So let's talk some storage. All you guys that came over from my last podcast, HomeServerShow.com, I haven't given you a whole lot of storage news, but I've got something that honestly I think changes the way we go forward. I this is enough of a game changer that you need to listen up because this is going to change things. $99. Seagate and Amazon have partnered with a $99 device. It's a one terabyte external hard drive that's going to back up everything on your device and then it's going to back it up to the Amazon cloud automatically. Boom. Done. You just plug it in and go. And it's Amazon, guys. It's not flybynight.com back up to the cloud kind of crap. It's Amazon and Seagate. And it's 99 bucks. It does it automatically. Done. All right. So you're going to have to get this at Amazon, right? There's some stipulations, I need to say it. There are some, there is fine print. United States only. It is not valid for current Amazon Drive unlimited storage subscribers. 
So if you already pay for it, you can't get this. Yeah, they're giving you something for free kind of here. It's for one year. You get one year of cloud storage. Every year after that, 60 bucks. 60 bucks. Now that's not bad. That's still not bad. You have to redeem the promo code within two months of buying the hard drive if you want the unlimited storage. And if you return it, they're going to take away that 12 months of unlimited storage, right? So you're going to have maybe a month or so to get your data off. You better get it off and go about your go about your merry way, I guess. I Let me know what you think. I think this changes things, folks, because people ask me all the time, how should I back myself up? How do I back up? Just $100, do it. If it's important to you, you'll pay the $60 for the subsequent years. And, you know, maybe four or five years down the road, when technologies change and things are different, you can do something different, right? We'll, we'll, go, to, we'll go on to the next thing. But for $99, you can have a one terabyte hard drive. You always have that hard drive. You don't have to pay for the cloud. You've always got that hard drive. You can turn off the cloud. You still have your backups. You still have your memories. I think it changes everything. I it's. It, I know it's only one terabyte of space, and I'm probably talking to the guys that have Blu-ray rips that are one terabyte big, right? <laughs> but this changes things. This is what you tell grandma to get. This is what you tell your mom, your dad, brother-in-laws. Hey, you asking me about backup? Get this. No worries. Get this. I will put a link to that in the show notes as well. Amazon's in the news again about massive data storage. Amazon Web Services will now roll a semi-truck up to your place of business and plug you in and you can store 100 petabytes. I think it's petabytes. It's a shipping container. It does roll up in a truck and it stores 100 petabytes of data. Then they're going to drive it back to Amazon and they're going to keep it safe for you. You are not going to upload 100 petabytes of data over your cable modem, kids. I'm just telling you now, it's not going to happen. But if you need something smaller, that was called, let's see, that's called Snowmobile. Amazon Snowmobile, 100 petabytes. If you need something smaller, Amazon will ship you a server desktop PC looking device and you can transfer your 80 terabytes that's still a lot of data then you ship it back to Amazon they'll throw it in their data center and then you're done and then you can trickle right you trickle your data so this is data storage seeding right and that uh, 80 terabytes is called snowball Amazon web services snowball and then snowmobile is 100 petabytes. I don't even know what a petabyte is. It's 1 million terabytes, I think. I need to look that up. If I only had an ALEXA in this room, I'm holding one. It's just not plugged in. I need to get that uh, done. Amazon. Crazy, crazy stuff. That's a lot of data, guys. That is a lot 
of data. Plex is in the news. Plex is something I should use more, guys. I, I don't know why I don't use Plex. I don't know. I, I use Amazon and I use Netflix. I could easily just jump over to Plex and look at some of my, my stuff, but I, I don't. I take videos and I shove them into a hard drive and into a NAS and they upload to the cloud and I never see them again. I don't know why I do that. But you can now link in your Google Drive, Dropbox, and OneDrive to Plex. It's called the Plex Cloud. And you have to be a Plex Pass subscriber. So you're going to pay either some monthly or some annual fee to do that. I don't think you can buy a lifetime anymore. Correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think you can buy Lifetime anymore. But before they discontinued that, I did plunk down the money to buy Lifetime because I'm, I'm just that guy who buys all the stuff and uh, never uses it. I think this might be in a beta, Plex Cloud. And I think that's pretty cool. So if you've got data out there in OneDrive, which I do, you can stream it to your Plex. You can stream it on the road, I guess. And you can now stream HBO and Cinemax shows on Amazon. So Prime is just freaking out. Prime is, this streaming business, guys, it's it's happening. I don't know if you watch Thursday Night Football on Twitter, but I do. I love it. I'm a cord cutter. I don't get Thursday Night Football, but I do on Twitter. So last night I got to watch uh, the Cowboys barely beat the Minnesota Vikings. Sorry about that, Vikings fan. But this streaming stuff, it's here. And Prime members can subscribe to Showtime Stars, Comedy Central, and now HBO and Cinemax. It's good, good stuff. Synology's back in the news with, they have a new business model, guys. We used to have Disk Station. That's the ones that sit on your desk. We had Rack Station. Naturally, they mount in a rack. And now we have Flash station. I kid you not. It's a flash station. This is for this is for the big boys. This is for enterprises, large business, and it's a huge all flash NAS solution. Wow. I would love to get my hands on this. And I don't even I wouldn't even have the facilities to test this thing. Two 10 gate, two 10 gigabyte base T ports, right? 10 gig ports. Boom. And it has more. It has PCIe slots for even more data. So that is unreal. Unreal, guys. So it has your, of course, it's got Disk Station Manager. And I I, I don't even know what to tell you about this thing. I don't know what it costs. It probably costs an arm and a leg. And I can't wait to see this at CES Uh, Synology. If you're listening, Drop me an email. I would love to uh, come see this and see see what kind of demo you guys are going to do the, do with this. But Flash Station, that is really cool. QNAP says, hey, what about, what about us? They've got the brand new TS-1635. This thing has 10 GBE, two 10 gigabyte ports on its new device. So QNAP is doing it too. And so my question is, when are we going to get into affordable 10 gigabyte networks? Now, I know you can get, that's probably the last time I looked, it was about 300 bucks for an entry level switch. You got to switch it. 
guys. You got to switch it and you got to be able to have the, and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe that's the NIC adapters. You got to have NICs for your PCs to be able to talk 10 gig. There's no sense in uh, putting a one gigabyte port into a 10 gigabyte switch. So when are we going to get to the affordability stage of 10 gigabyte networks? So I can't wait to, uh, to tackle that. QNAP also has another one. It's a TS531X, and it's got 10 gigabyte Ethernet ports, and it looks like to be their entry-level box. So I'm going to dig a little into these things and, of course, take a look at them at QNAP and see if we can't get you some information about it. But let me know if you are in the 10 gig networking space, whether you're doing it at work or you're doing it at home. Mr. Prosumer, you never know. You could be. I think I think we're done. I think I need to tell you about what I'm reading, though. The true story of Nintendo's most wanted game. Do you collect games? I don't really. I collected, I don't collect, but I kept my Atari 2600. I have the original six-button Atari 2600. It's got that beautiful-looking wood inlay on that black plastic. You can just throw in your Asteroids or Pac-Man or my true love, Mega Mania, from Activision, of course. Throw that into your 2600 and play some just blocky good times. (laughs) Nintendo, they've got a game out there that is supposedly the most wanted game of all. It's not because of the playing, but it's about something else. I'm going to leave that link in the show notes for you, and you can see what I'm reading. Thanks for listening to Reset. I appreciate you giving me some stars out there on the iTunes. It'll, it'll definitely help. We can reach some other folks. Have a good week. See you here next time. This has been Reset, a member of the Geeks Network. Check out thegeeksnetwork.com for more great podcasts and forums. Reset can be found at mccabe.io, youtube.com slash David McCabe for the videos, and on Twitter at mccabe.io. Intro and outro music by Daryl Lee. Find Daryl Lee at soundcloud.com, Daryl Lee Music. That's D-E-R-L-E-E Music. Support of this podcast can be done at patreon.com slash David McCabe. And if you wouldn't mind, throw a couple stars out there on iTunes if you get a chance to. Thank you for supporting, and I'll see you next week on Reset. Reset.